Welcome to the So Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown, along with uh, Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. If you're not subscribing there, uh, actually, if you're not subscribing, subscribe to both of us. Uh, Matt and I are doing kind of a crossover episode, uh, episodes where we're talking about all of the players that we have with draftable grades for this year's uh, NBA draft. And uh, Matt took guards and forwards So go over there if you want to hear about guards and forwards. And today, Matt and I will be talking about wings and centers. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, man. I think uh, by the time we're done recording these two episodes, it'll be the next day uh, calendar-wise here. So uh, this is is fun. We're we're being as thorough as we can. So if you are interested in the draft in any way, I think uh, I'd be shocked if there's a name here that gets called on draft night for the Wizards that you didn't hear somewhere in these podcasts. Let's dive into the wings and we'll do it kind of the same way. Um, I'll just sort of go down my list and you tell me if I'm crazy, tell me what you think about, um, about, uh, you know, these guys. So Sounds great. Um, first guy I've got on my list is uh, Benedict Mather uh, wing from, from Arizona. Um, you know, g- good, solid player, you know, good numbers. Um, not like eye popping or anything like that. Uh, you know, he, I don't have him as like a top five pick or anything like that. I suspect he's going to be gone before the wizards pick. Yeah. But he is a guy that uh, is getting mocked a lot to the Wizards. Uh, yeah, I actually have him top of the list here as well. Um, I have a tier of guys that I just said top eight. Um, and and I think he's like clearly going to go in that range. And, and I think it makes sense to me. And Kevin, this is a guy I compared to like the floor being KCP. They're like a similar height. And I think everybody thinks of the KCP now where we're like, no, please, please, please don't dribble. Um, mm-hmm. but they're like shot profile. If you go look at like everywhere they shot volume wise and percentage wise on the floor, their their second years in college, it's like almost identical. Um, Matherin gets to the rim a little bit more, but uh, it's, it's staggeringly similar. And, and I think KCP was a much more versatile offensive player in college than, than people realized. But, uh, you know, if, if, Matherin's not a great college defender right now. Well, KCP wasn't a great college defender either, but I I think he has probably even better tools to become a a better defender. I'm kind of all in here and just last thing, and then I'll stop rambling. But I heard very recently that his workout or his interviews with teams have been like staggeringly impressive, right? And that's like sourced through multiple people through multiple teams that. So he can drop two plays. Well, I think people had this like expectation of him as like sort of like the nice Canadian, you know, Mm -hmm. but he apparently is from like a not so well off portion of Montreal and is Mm -hmm. just like gritty and is like, I will die to be a good NBA player. I'll die to get better because like my family needs me to produce for them. And I don't think that GM sort of expected him to have that um, sort of temperament and mindset. So it seems to have won some people over. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I like him. I, like I said, I've got a, what, seventh overall, I think. Yeah. And um, he shoots a high volume from three, you know, seven yeah. and a half threes per 40 um, and gets to the free throw line, yeah. which is pretty, pretty good. 5.9 attempts per, per 40. That's, that's nice. And, you know, for a wing, he, like I said, the, the, the rebounding is decent. Um, and Matherin also showed some, some playmaking 3.1 assists per 40. 
the defensive numbers don't pop, but again, you know, it, it's like it, some of that is going to be system. Some of that is going to be just, you know, that, that most of the time you get to the NBA by um, to be honest, by, by scoring. <laughs> so, you know, I like guys that get better from year one to year two. Like he did the pre-draft stuff last year and they're like, look, you, you can't dribble. That's going to be bad for you. And he yeah. came in this year and was a much better creator for himself at the very least. Now it's still got like room to grow and could stand to be tightened up a lot still. But, you know, when you get better at the things people tell you to get better at, I think that's generally kind of a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, all right, next on my list, I've got um, AJ Griffin from Duke. And this is a guy I just, it's kind of hard to to say because in some ways, some of his numbers are really impressive. Like he really shot the ball well, Mm -hmm. right? good volume of threes and 45% from three, right? And 79% from the free throw line and 55% on twos. That's really outstanding. But yeah. it was also low usage and mm-hmm. on a loaded team. And, you know, the, the rest of his stat line, not that impressive. Like very few steals and blocks. Um, you know, rebounding was okay. No playmaking. He, he seems to fit kind of that classic three and D kind of mold. Mm-hmm. Uh- yeah, I'm I'm like so much lower on AJ Griffin than the consensus. I can see a world where he's what people want him to be. I also think there's a higher probability that he's not. Uh, you know, the shooting percentage is great. He played on a loaded team, so maybe the usage was low because he was hurt at the beginning of the year and it took him too long to integrate. So he just kind of had to blend in a little bit more than you would like to see from a guy projected to go in the lottery he's a coach's son so you know his dad uh, coaches for the raptors like that's that's great you know he's been around the game i think that actually does have some value Mm -hmm. but he's had a lot of leg injuries this guy dislocated his knee and like missed a a pretty good chunk of the second half of his high school career because of it he had another knee injury to start his duke career Mm -hmm. that would just terrify me as a wizards fan like i just don't think we have good luck in general so taking a guy that's had multiple you know leg and knee problems before 20 would terrify me right yeah i can see that um you you know you don't really want guys coming in who are you know damaged goods uh at 20 or 19 if the if he was so tantalizing and the production was so good I, i think that that would offset things but like you said it's low production and he looked like a dumpster fire defensively for a good portion of the year, in my opinion. Um, we talked about this a little bit with Bancaro, where, yeah, they kind of funneled guys to Mark Williams, so the defensive stats being a little lower is one thing, but he just looked bad. Um, and if you're being sold as like this athletic shooter, but you don't look athletic anymore, and he has this very weird form on his jump shot. We talked about this in the other episode. It makes me hesitant when guys have just like such wonky looking form that mm-hmm. does it always translate sometimes it does in the Tyrese Halliburton case which I admit I missed on sometimes more times in my opinion than not it doesn't and he's got this like wide base where his feet are sort of offset but they're wider than his shoulders yeah yeah um so it's like it just I don't know it would make me nervous at the very least I, I have him in my 12 to 20 ish range yeah I mean I think that's about right um you know I wouldn't pick him top 10 mm-hmm. in other words like for the wizards i could i could see the wizards picking him 
Yeah, um, I, could I don't too, think I, would pick, I think that there are better players who will be available yep. at 10 than, than AJ Griffin. But um, I think if you're picking him in like that 11 to 15 range, mm-hmm. he's worth a lottery pick is what I'm saying. Um, even the, with the relatively low volume of, um, you know, the, the efficiency, the overall shooting, worst case, he's likely to be able to shoot the ball. And, um, you know, like I say, if you can make some progress defensively, and carve out a three and D role. Okay. You know, then that's, that's not a bad, bad pick. Uh, in He's that, like ninth said, on consensus mocks. So, I, yeah. you know, I think it could a go high, a little but, earlier, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's a little high, but um, not too much. So I've got two other wings in kind of a, the lottery range. Okay. Um, Kendall Brown mm. uh, from Duke. Mm-hmm. I mean, Duke, geez, Baylor, Baylor excuse yeah. me. Um, outstanding athlete you know, tested really well at the, um, at the combine. And that does show up in the numbers as well. Um, 64% on twos, 34% on threes. So not outstanding shooter, but decent enough, 69% from the free throw line. So he'll need to work on his shooting, but some rebounding, a little bit of playmaking, and he does defend. Um, so, you know, he doesn't block a ton of shots, but he gets a lot of steals. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that this guy, another low volume guy, but, you know, with that athleticism, I think he's the kind of player that teams would like to, to take and try to mold into, you know, three and D, uh, maybe with a little bit of, uh, of, of attacking as well. He doesn't get the free throw line much and low volume on threes. But, I mean, I think that, that, that he's somebody, again, picking in the lottery, that athleticism, uh, I think, makes him worth picking. I think he's arguably the best athlete in the draft. Like if he came in year one and won a dunk contest, it wouldn't shock me. Um, right. And and he is someone that plays pretty athletic, but kind of tighten the handle up and things like that. But he he's to me, he's the wing version of what I think everyone wants Jeremy Sohan to be. Yeah. Uh, like Brown is actually switchable and I, I buy the shooting enough, but he also, like you said, has some playmaking. He's a good cutter. He doesn't need a, like a ton of usage to help the team he'd be like a connective offensive player from day one i think you've seen how like the warriors have used jonathan Kaminga this year uh you could probably give brown a little bit more volume on a lesser team because obviously the warriors don't need him but if kendall brown is like prime andre iguodala someday it like wouldn't shock me i mean like i think he's got like that kind of vibe to him where he could even like run point a little bit eventually um and and like you said the shooting drills in the combine were really good so i I have him in like the and that 12 to 20 range again too but i like him more than i like aj griffin personally yeah i i also have him above aj griffin um not by a lot but a a little um Mm -hmm. like i i could see going let's put it this way. If the wizards picked him 10, I mean, I think that would be a little high Agreed. Um, based on where he's theoretically supposed to go. But if they picked him 10, I wouldn't be upset because I think that he's, he's likely to provide enough value um, there. I think it would be a surprise pick. And I, again, I think that there would be some other players that I think they will be available that I think could be better, sure. but um, he's, he's a guy I could see, um, you know, especially if you traded back a few picks or something, you, you, you could take him and be pretty happy. And I could also see like, if you really buy the shooting, like if he's really improved his shooting mm-hmm. and that's showing in the, in the various drills and all that kind of stuff that they're doing, I could see picking him as high as 10. Uh, just because I, I know we're not going to get to him here uh, because you had him as a guard. We talked about this in the, the other episode. 
it's the same range of the draft. I had Johnny Davis, who I just put as a wing, even though he's kind of like a two, three to me more than, than anything. But um, I, we, we talked about this, why, why we put him where we put him in different places, but th- this was the range ish. I, I had him in the draft. Here, yeah. I think up. I had him uh, Johnny Davis a little bit behind uh, mm-hmm. Kendall, but um, you know, um, like I say, I think he's a good, good player and good prospect. So um, the next guy I have um, in my like lottery range is Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, mm-hmm. the J-A-L-E-N. There you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, super athletic, um, big kid, um, weaker competition, but he played really well, dominated, shot well. Um, you know, he, he has some playmaking, a little bit of defense. He's, he's just a, seems like a pretty solid prospect. And, um, you know, he's somebody that I could see, um, becoming a pretty good player in the NBA. So I mentioned this on, on our pod a couple times. Like I, I like to watch basketball games live, especially after my wife goes to sleep. So the WCC like schedule works out really well for me. All the games are on ESPN plus. So I watch a lot more of that conference than like the average human. And I want to say in like January, I tweeted out a clip of him and was like, Hey, this guy's really good. He's not on any mock drafts in the first round, but I'd take him with the first round pick and was like super high and got some grief for it. And now the narrative has like totally flipped is like, Hey, this should be a top five pick. You know, like he's, he's the guy that's like gaining a ton of steam. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't see him being a guy I would take that high. Like 10 is too high to me, but I have him also in that 12 to 20 range. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's about right. I mean, I've got him what 14th overall. So um, that's, that's exactly where, you know, that same range, that 12 to 20, like if you're picking him 15th, yep. 20th, cool. Uh, I think that he's got a chance to be a pretty good pro though. So, um, all right, next guy on my list, he's, he's close to Jalen Williams. So, he, you know, he, but not quite, you know, like a little behind, we talked about him in, in the uh, forwards section, um, David Roddy from Colorado mm-hmm. state. I know you like him. I, I think that he's got a, the profile of the statistical profile, at least of a really solid NBA player, um, you know, little like smaller, I've got him as a wing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think had him as more of a three, four. I had him yeah. like two, three because he's not, not very tall, but his agility was outstanding, you know, absolutely uh, elite at the, uh, at the combine. So, you know, I, I, I don't know where the consensus mock has him, but, I think they had him as a second round pick. Um, I've got him with a mid first round grade. So he is 49th consensus mock right now. And it was higher for most of the year. And I think we talked about this on the forward section that there, he didn't close the year on the strongest note. And I think a lot of times it's recency bias. So, you know, if you had asked earlier in the year, I think a lot of people maybe could have made a case for him 20 to 30, as opposed to now 40 to 50. Um, But I, yeah, I'm I'm now lower on him than you are after being very high on him all year. Uh, but I I want him to succeed because he's a fun player. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I like fun players. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I don't know. Like I said, looking at his whole season, it looks pretty impressive. And you know, shooting well from three point range, we're talking forty four percent from three, sixty two percent on twos. I I don't know. He looks like he he looks like a pretty good prospect to me. Mm-hmm. So. I always try to look at guys as like, here's the case for, if it works out, here's why it'll be. If he doesn't work out, here's why it'll be. And it's, 
like tweener in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. It would be why he works out and tweener in a bad way is why it doesn't work out. Like he's right. that he did well, like I said, in the mobility drills, but he didn't look like a good foot speed guy uh, while playing. And he's a little heavier. I think he was one of the higher like body fat guys too. So, you know, he'll, he'll need some work to kind of like shape that stuff up. If it ended up being like um, a better, more skilled version of like Admiral Schofield, I, I hate saying that, but uh, it, it wouldn't totally shock me at this point. Yeah, I could. Uh, I mean, sure. The, the, you know, the, the thing with him is like you say, if, if he makes it, it'll probably be because of his shooting. Um, he probably does need to lose some weight. Um, and my guess is that, you know, if somebody picks him uh, in the first round, he, he probably would. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think a lot of it's just going to be, you know, he's a young guy. And so we'll see. Um, Team I, fit, all that stuff will be important sure. too. Yeah. And th- that tweener thing, you know, that ability, like you've got him more of as a 3-4. I could see him, you know, even potentially playing some two. And so you, cause he tested his agility tested out well enough that mm-hmm. he could do, he could theoretically do that. So if that's the case, then you've got like two through four yeah. or, you know, three, four. And that's kind of where the game is going is just like skill and agility are really the most important things. So, I mean, he played small ball five offensively for them at times this year. And he also like ran the offense too. So you could even say like, potentially one through five sometimes on offense. Um, I mean, that's huge, but yeah. I mean, if he could like pull it down, you know, three and a half assists for 40, that's pretty good. Um, you know, he blocks a lot of shots for mm-hmm. being undersized and not leaping that well. Sure. So, so it's interesting. All right. Um, next guy I've got on my list as a wing is, um, and this would be like, at this point we're getting to like second half of the second round of the first round, excuse me, second half of the first round. Can, can I throw one thing in here, Kevin, just yeah. so we talk about it on one of these pods? Because I, I sort of ranked him differently than yours, so we, we would omit him otherwise. But I had Dyson Daniels under wings just based on who I think he would guard from day one. I, I know you have him very highly, as do I. Mm-hmm. He's a top eight pick for me, I think, yeah. because of all the multitude of things he does well, the Swiss Army knife um, yeah. I, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, I agree completely on that. Um, I have him as a guard because I think, you know, I think he could play point guard theoretically um mm-hmm. he can de- he can play some some off guard i think he could also play small forwards right so yep. um i if you put him as a wing i wouldn't argue um either way whether i evaluated him as a wing or as a guard he still is a top you know seven eight pick um he's somebody that i know a lot of a fair number of wizards fans want uh would love for the wizards to get i don't think he's going to be available at 10 i agree they'd have to move up to get him and um you know, he doesn't shoot well, that's for sure. Um, so that's something he'll definitely have to improve, but got to love the motor and just the overall effort. And then the overall production is really impressive. So, and Rod athletic. Strickland taught him how to dribble this year. That was his ball handling coach, basically, or mentor is Rod Strickland. That's just too good a tie back to the Wizards for it to not yeah. work out. Yeah, right. <laughs> so hopefully uh, Rod did not coach him on like, Hot dog eating up late and um, coming in and eating a hot dog right before the game and throwing yeah. up in the fourth quarter. So um, anyway, uh, the next guy I've got on my wing list is Dalen Terry. I think we mm-hmm. talked about him a little bit. Uh, Hundred cards, yeah. Yeah, when we talked about um, makes sense. Yeah, but you know, good player. Um, looks decent. Well, this, you know, if you're picking him in the second part of uh, the first round, I think that's a good place for him. Uh, yeah, no, no argument there. I think. Um... 
like I said, I, I think the range I had for him was sort of similar to that. I, I, I want to say, I think I had him in like 15 to 30 ish range. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. I've got him, I think, uh, what about 18th overall? So, so Ke- yeah. Kevin, I think the big omission for folks so far is going to be Shaden Sharp. Uh, where, where do you have him in this process? If you don't mind me potentially skipping ahead. That's, that's fine. It's, I, I don't have him because I don't have any numbers on him. So okay. Yoda is completely stat driven. And since there are no numbers on Shaden Sharp, I can't evaluate. Him. Okay. Totally fair. I, yeah. I, I had him in my top eight tier with, I had him, Matherin and Daniels as the sort of anywhere in the top eight, I think makes mm-hmm. sense. Just for anybody not familiar, six, six guy, strongly built for, uh, you know, 18, 19 year old uh, looks to be a very good shooter, uh, freak athlete. It's just, you know, can he do all the other things slash we haven't seen him play real basketball in a while. So who knows yeah, how so it'll pan out. Just for people who may not be familiar, just recap the, um, what, what happened with him. Yeah. So he was, uh, like, I want to say around a hundred in his high school class rankings wise for most of his high school career. And then had like a crazy last year in like EYBL and shot up to like top three ish, give or take. And then decided to enroll at Kentucky early. And uh, then it came out that actually he had had a high school diploma before people were publicly aware of it. So then he would be draft eligible for this year, but before they thought he'd have to sit out the first semester. So he technically could have played the second half of the year at Kentucky this year. This The family and his sort of people, his, his, his group all said that he wouldn't play because he planned on coming back next season. Next season is projected to be a loaded draft. So the fact that, uh, you know, he could go potentially top 10 this year in a weaker draft uh, with being kind of uncertain, I think they just decided to roll the dice and, and assume that, you know, might as well start making millions of dollars earlier as opposed to waiting next year and maybe playing your way into top five status in a tougher draft. Okay. Uh, I'd also heard from multiple people that had seen him practice with the team that when they saw him, he was considerably the most appealing um, NBA prospect in Kentucky practices. But then you've also heard other reporting that he rarely practiced with them unless there were going to be other GMs in the room and stuff like that. So who knows what to make of this guy? He's the mystery meat of, the, of this year's draft, that's for sure. But I would take him at 10. I just, why not roll the dice at this point? All right. Next guy I've got on my wing list is Oshay Agbaji. Did I say his name right? Ocha Agbaji. Yeah, yeah, from Kansas. Um, Agbaji. Um, you know, good size, good athlete. That doesn't really show up in the numbers, though, but excellent shooter, 40% from three as a senior. Um, as I said, the, the athleticism, it tested, he tested really well in the combine. He doesn't play and, like it at all. Yeah, his rebounding is on the low side, um, like, below one steal per 40 below a, just half a block per 40, which doesn't suggest that a guy who's like super athletic or super active and like no playmaking 1.8 assists per 40. That's um, a, a little concerning. He scored pretty well. Well, yeah, he scored pretty well mm-hmm. on not outrageous usage. I mean, he was about average overall efficiency. Um, just, you know, he's a guy who's got his, his, his backers who think that he's going to be really good. Um, I would be willing to pick him like latter part of the sec of the first round, but I wouldn't go with, go for him at 10. 
it's interesting. Uh, this is a guy that if you like search me on Twitter and his name, there will be tweets from like 2019, 2020 that are like, oh my God, Agbaji, I'm so high on him. Why aren't people higher on him? If he ever gets out, if he's ever able to shoot it, he'll be so good. And it just sort of, the shooting came around, but he didn't really add much else other than that. Like yeah. he'll slash a little bit here and there. Uh, but like the, like you said, the athleticism, that that's really visible watching them play like yes they'll drop a really creative out of timeout uh play and he'll catch a lob and like throw down a monster dunk and end up on the top 10 plays but that's like a loaded two-foot jumping situation it's not him like taking it in the traffic like matherin will like drive down the lane and like, hammer on some guy you don't really see that uh with ochai the same way so i think given the age given the fact that the shooting has been like a relatively recent development there's enough uncertainty there i'd be a little questionable about how well it translates um i have him in sort of like the 20s to 30 range mm -hmm. something like that um yep. exactly if, where i have him yeah but if he if he came in right away and made second team all rookie next year i also wouldn't be really that shocked either so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked either because he, he is a little older, and so he theoretically should be more NBA-ready. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be a little surprised if he, like, became, you know, more than, like, a rotation player, you know, unless he can figure out how to harness, like, the athleticism into, like, the actual game, right? The ceiling for me is, like, Gary Trent. Yeah, yeah, that seems about right. Um yeah, but like a pretty good player. You could start him in some places, but he's sure. probably best coming off the bench, yep. you know, seventh, eighth man type. Yeah, I could see that. All right. Um, um, next guy on my list is um, Keon Ellis mm, from Alabama. Okay. Um, again, a guy who tested pretty well um, at the combine in terms of agility. Um, pretty efficient offensively. Uh, shot. 36, almost 37% from three and 88% from the free throw line. So he can shoot it a little bit, um, a lot of steals and, um, you know, overall just like, you know, again, like late first, I think he's a good pick there. Uh, I have him in the mid forties range. Um, I, I, I get what he brings to the table. I, I worry about if he can do it, uh, at the NBA level a little bit. Do you have combine heights handy by chance, Kevin? Because I think he measured a lot shorter than everybody expected him to, I want to say. Uh, like I, I don't have the actual measurements, but uh, I have him basically as average in terms of height. I, I want to say he was like 6'3 three and 3 quarters, um, which is a little tougher to be a 3 and D guy as a like a full 3, but... Could he be, you know, kind of the guard three and D? Um, maybe that that's a little easier for me. He just doesn't do a lot else. So he's going to defend. He's going to hit some threes. Uh, he, he is really thin right now. The guy has like the smallest ankles of any human being I've, I've ever seen. But um, I, I'm sure he'll fill out and, and stuff like that too. But I, I am a little lower on him than, than most. Yeah, his height without shoes, I just pulled it up. It was uh, six, three and a half. So okay. he probably I gave him an extra quarter of an inch even. Yeah, he probably should. But his uh, standing reach was eight, six. Okay, that's good. That's um, that's okay for, yeah, but so pretty long arms. So it's, it's good for someone who's six, three. <laughs> right. Is uh, what his wingspan was six, eight and a half. So yeah. that's, that's pretty good. And that's like, 
adequate size that you could uh, you could maybe give him some thick shoes and he could probably maybe place a little bit of wing, yeah, uh, like a small forward. Uh, he probably, you know, looking at that measurement. Yeah, it, that, again, that that's acceptable for a, a, a wing, um, probably more of a, of a two guard than than a small forward. But like it, a two three. Yeah, I think if you had him play like a Gary Payton y kind of role, like go point attack defense, chase people around, hit some open threes. Um, I, I could see that. Again, this is like a late first. Sure. So I'm not picking I wouldn't think he'd like come in as a starter or even become a starter, mm-hmm. you know, a few years from now. I think he's more like the kind of guy like you're picking in an eighth, ninth man at yeah. this point. And um you know, if he's coming off the bench for, you know, 15 minutes a game split between two and three. Yeah. Okay. I could see, see him doing that. Just some three and D coming off the bench, doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, this is Kevin. And I wanted to share with you briefly about a product I've recently been introduced to called athletic greens. Athletic greens is a supplement. It's a powder form and you basically add a scoop to a cup of water in the morning. And when you do, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. The ingredients support gut health, support your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you can do all of it with Athletic Greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar per serving, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. And it still tastes good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. I can use some of that right now. It'll also, it's not expensive. It costs you less than $3 a day. And I know that a lot of folks are spending more than that on coffee or energy drinks. And this will be better for you than that. Um, Athletic Greens, in addition to when you make a purchase, for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations to help get nutritious food to kids in need. It includes the No Kid, Re- no Kid Hungry, which is, operates here in the United States. In 2020, uh, Athletic Greens donated more than 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. So right now... It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million pills, supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens/emerging. That's athletic greens slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Um, next guy I've got is, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to say his name wrong, but Marjan Bisham. Beauchamp. Yeah. Beauchamp. Okay. Cause I've, there's a journalist who spells his name the exact same way and pronounces it Beecham. So <laughs> that's probably a, a more correct uh, phonetically pronunciation, but yeah, he, he goes by Beauchamp. Okay. So Marjan Beauchamp from, uh, he played with the G League Ignite and he's big and, uh, you know, 
a decent prospect. Shot uh, 68% on twos and just 24% on threes in, in the G League. He rebounds pretty well. Um, got some of his, got some steals. So you know he's somebody. Again, this is like at this point we're getting late first, early second. And when I say late first, I mean like 25 or after. Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm actually like insanely high on this guy, like irrationally. So this is another one of those guys I can't really justify why I think uh, he's sort of prototypical wing size, good cutter, really active. You get the hustle stuff. I think he'll be like one of the best defenders from this group. And I think he does enough sort of other offensive stuff that it, if you reasonably buy, he turns into a decent shooter at some point. Uh, the, the the thing with him is he joined that sort of same program that Kyrie Walker that's on the capital city go-go joined and opted to like omit college, you know, the, the first time and, and bypass it to like work on his skills. And then shockingly, when you just don't play for anyone to see you for a year, you're out of sight, out of mind. So actually went to a community college for uh, like played a little Juco in Washington state last year at the end of the year, and then joined the G league ignite this year. So he's had like a really weird, uh, kind of roundabout way to get there, but but I have him like lottery ish. Um, so I think that's sort of hard for me to really justify, other than I just have a feeling on this one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could. I I don't think that's necessarily outrageous. Um, so he measured at six five and a quarter without shoes, but his wingspan, which is or standing reach, excuse me, which is I which is what I use here, and why mm-hmm. he's I, I said he's big is eight ten. So yeah. he's very long armed. And, um, you know, that, that's the kind of physical profile that works out pretty well, typically in the NBA. So, you know, I can see the theory. He's got to shoot the ball a lot better. That's for sure. We talked about this on the other episode where just sort of like, sometimes, you know, you focus on just like the highlights for a guy, but if you watched him on a good night, like I'm forgetting who they played right now, because the G League games sort of run together, but he had like this one 29 point game where he was like dominant. And you were just like, holy shit, if this guy could ever do this more consistently, uh, he would be, he would be a huge deal. So that's sort of what I'm choosing to latch on to. Yeah. Well, and he's got a, even though I can't say his name uh, or didn't know how to say his name, but uh, Marjan is a pretty cool first name. So I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next guy I've got on my wing list is Jake LaRavia. We talked about him uh, among forwards Mm -hmm. um, in the last episode. So we'll go relatively quick here, but the, the, case for him is he's really quick um good you know solid size decent size for for a wing like i said very quick can shoot the ball quite well um really productive good playmaker a lot of steals blocked a lot of shots um you know for a wing 1.1 per 40 that's not like a ton of shots but it's a good good number it's among the higher among the wing prospects so um you know only david roddy and uh vince williams among the wings um, blocked more. So, you know, that's a pretty good number. And um, I like him. I, you know, he's a late first. If the Wizards traded back and came up with him, I'd, I'd be happy with him. And um, I, I, you, you picked him in the 30th in our last mock draft. So, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I like him. I think he's a good, good player. And he's the kind of guy that I think, you know, could be a, a good glue guy, could just play some, some different roles for, for a good team. Yeah, I had him solidly first round uh, as well. So I, I think, um, you know, he, he's a guy that if he were like a poor man's like Franz Wagner kind of guy uh, where he could do like multiple things for you, I, it wouldn't shock me. 
Yeah, I, I think of him a little bit like, um, and this may not be like the right kind of comparison, but like Pat Connaughton or, you know, just a, like a, a guy who, who does a lot of things pretty well, pretty valuable. Um, probably shoots the ball a little better than Connaughton did. He screams bucks to me, um, yeah. like just, you know, screams that. I don't know why, but I just feel well, like that would be a perfect because, fit next to Giannis yeah. too. Yeah, especially, you know, he goes, he's, he looks like he's, that's about the right spot to pick him. Makes sense. So, yeah. Okay. Next guy I got now at this point, we're moving into like, um, you know, second round, this would mm-hmm. be like the, the first half of the second round uh, okay. grades. So, and I've got, mm, let's see, basically four guys in this, at this level for the wings. Uh, the first is Christian Braun mm-hmm. from Kansas, um, a little on the small side for a wing, but good athlete, um, decent shooter. Um, you know, a little rebounding, a little playmaking, uh, a little bit of defense, you know, just a, a decent prospect all the way around. Um, but like I said, second round pick. Uh, he weirdly pronounces it Brown, which how you get that from Brown, I, I don't know. But um, just for anybody. Uh, okay, whatever, Christian Brown. Yeah, do you, do you think? Uh, um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have him in my 25 to 45 range, which is yeah. a very big range, obviously. But I, I think you could kind of make a case for them somewhere in that where I, I have all those guys kind of clustered together realistically um mm-hmm. he's six six but with a six five wingspan just a little alarming yeah uh, but he i don't know he he just screams like miami heat you know that kind of vibe like he, he's got some of the same um vibe to him that tyler hero has and i don't mean that in like a white guy to white guy comp but just like you know, I've probably been like targeted a lot on a court, so I'm going to just shit talk you the entire game. I, yeah. I can't remember who was doing the interview, but they got asked about matching up with Brown earlier in the year. And he goes, that guy talked shit the entire time, but he has such a country accent. I couldn't understand a word of it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and apparently all the guys sitting courtside during the national championship game just said he just like MFers people the whole game. And for some reason, I really like stuff like that. So I dig it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I always enjoyed trash talkers. I wasn't much of one myself, but I enjoyed them. Uh, to your point about his, like, uh, his arms, his standing reach was eight, three and a half, which is basically like point guard size. Right. So um, that's why I, I d- described him as small. He did measure at six, five um, and, and change, but um, the, the short arms, not necessarily what you would want to see. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, next guy on my list is Malachi Branham uh, from Ohio State. And, um, you know, again, a a good shooter, 42% on threes, 83% from the free throw line, um, but he didn't rebound, like very little playmaking, not much defensive stats. It's like there's nothing really that pops out um, athletically. Um, The shooting figures to translate, though. Yeah, it's on like relatively low volume from three, too, yeah. which could, you know, if, if you especially don't buy that, I, I would see that. Yeah, just the, just 3.8 attempts, uh, 3.0 attempts per 40. Yeah, which, you know, the power forward on their team took more than that. So it's, um, that could be a little bit of a question mark. Just the way he scores, uh, like I think didn't get really like a ton of easy shots this year and he just made a pretty good percentage of tough shots, too. I think that will be sort of a no-brainer that he translates to the NBA. Like, I, I see him probably more as, like, a 2-3 than anything, um, and I'm, like, notorious for, like, betting on this guy as a gunner 
and that'll translate, which I, I think I've tried to be better on lately and not overvalue them. But uh, I've got him lottery-ish, like 10 to 20, sort of as a range. How's his, how's his defense? It was really, really bad for three quarters of the year. Like um, low couple percent college basketball I watched this year, bad for a lot of it. And then it seemed to make like, you know, turn a corner closer to the tournament and stuff like that as they got into yeah. like the meat of Big Ten play where he was actually like decent enough on ball. But he's got reasonably long arms and stuff like that where I just think that's more of a, I came from a high school team where I had to score every point and I never had to guard anybody. And then I yeah. came to a college team where nobody asked me to guard anybody. And now I kind of reasonably guard people. So I don't think he'll ever be a plus defender, but I think he could be a passable defender, you know, volume scorer for somebody. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you, you, you use the word volume there because, uh, you know, the usage was relative, you know, relatively low, sure. um, but it, that's interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I can see the theory with him. Like I say, that shooting, um, the shooting should translate. So, you know, if he could figure out how to play defense, you know, you could see a three and D type there, or maybe he's just like instant offense off the bench. You know, I think that's the role, right. Is like, here's your sixth man gunner. Uh, and I know again, low volume, but that, that's sort of not the player he was. I think that's a, especially early in the year, that's a not step on older guys toes. And it's kind of a, not my team sort of deal, but especially as the year went on, like as they got close to the tournament, he like ratcheted up big time and became like a fringe 20 point per game scorer um, yeah. down the stretch. Yeah. All right. Uh, next guy on my list is uh, Gabriel Prasida. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he can shoot 68% on twos in what he played in the Italian league, 38% yep. um, on threes, low volume um, overall, just, uh, you know, low usage uh, player. Didn't really rebound all that well. Not much of a playmaker did get some steals. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, it's athletic. The athleticism is a question. Sure. Right. And he's not like super big, super sized or anything like that for um, for it to be an NBA wing. But it's he's, he's got the skills. He, he seems to have the skills in terms of shooting and being able to finish around the basket, that kind of thing that, um, you know, maybe could translate. It's worth the second round pick. Um, probably he, he he's probably a few years from coming over. He signed last year a multi year deal to um, stay to play in Italy. So it might be a little time before he, he comes over. But you know, draft and stats. I could see, you know, a, a good team like early in the second round picking him and then, you know, bringing him over three years from now and, and having somebody good. This is not somebody the Wizards should really be taking unless he somehow like falls to them at 54. But because um, he, he's not ready. I don't think he's ready to play now in, in the NBA. I don't think he's ready to compete. But, you know, he, he could be in a few years and the Wizards don't need to be uh, spending resources on three years from now, given their stated goals. The fact that he's not likely to come over right away. I've watched almost none of him other than like a couple short highlight tapes. So I, I don't feel particularly, if I haven't at least seen a game or two of yours, I, I probably don't feel like super qualified to talk yeah. about him. So that from what I've read, that all seems to track though. Okay. All right. Uh, so the next guy I got, and this is the sort of the, the last guy I have with the draftable grade, um, I do have a few others that are like borderline, but the last guy is Jabari Walker from Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, did not test well leaping at the combine. Um, little like on the low side efficiency, but um, 
he rebounds like crazy. Yeah. And um, that's, I, you know what, that's really like his thing is that he rebounded well um, because there's like no playmaking. There's some shot block, you know, he blocked uh, 0.9 shots per 40. So that's not great. He got a steal per 40. Um, scored but on high usage uh, a lot of turnovers like almost twice as many turnovers as assists so it's not like uh, this is this is somebody but you're picking him more I think for just to see if he can pick I, I would pick him if I was to pick him it would be like if he if the Wizards picked him 54th or whatever they wherever their pick is you know it wouldn't be the, like the worst pick in the world he's a guy who has a shot I think of being like you know bottom of the rotation type of guy Okay, so for the guy, let's address this now for anyone from the Bull Trevor message board that's listening to this podcast. I got so much shit from one particular guy for saying the Wizards had the 56th pick. Okay, they will be drafting 54th. Their pick is technically number 56. Two picks right before them have been abdicated because of tampering stuff. So whether you say pick 54th or use the 56th pick, it's the exact same thing. So everybody can just chill the F out. We, we know where they pick. It's not a big deal. So uh, I, I, I was like so angry because um, I was just getting trolled the one day relentlessly, yeah. but that's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I had him as more of like a four three, so I put him as a forward, but uh, yeah, if he went somewhere in the late second round, I would have no issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, probably the guy that I have, we've talked about him in the, when we talked about the forwards was Darian Sebron. Mm-hmm. He's like the, the next guy I have, um, as borderline, you know, if, again, if you pick him in the second round, like later part of the second round, cool. Um, I think he'd be nice uh, as an undrafted free agent as well. Um, you know, got to shoot better. But another guy I have borderline, who we also talked about, I think, in the other, uh, when we talked about Ford, was Tevin Brown mm-hmm. from uh, Murray State. You know, Brown sort of ran anywhere from one through three collegiately. Um, so you could put him in any of those groupings. And, and I just, I think he'll really shoot it. Like I, I just see that translating. So I, I think somebody taking a shot on him um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, anybody else among the wings that uh, we haven't mentioned so far that you think we should? Yeah, so I got a couple names here for you. Um, we talked about uh, Wendell Moore a little bit on the other pod too under guards, but whether you call him a wing or a guard, like him. Uh, okay, so this is a guy that, that you and I have texted about a little bit here. Usman Jang from the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, this is a dude that looked early in the year like there was never a world or scenario in which he would be a productive G League player. And then like down the stretch, when I went back to watch because someone like prompted me to do it, I like weirdly fell in love again, sort of in an undefensible way. But I'm, I'm irrationally high on like big wings who show flashes. I think that's my, my one big kryptonite here. So it just he's like 6'10", legitimately, and... I, I think you know, sort of that, again, that Brandon, Brandon Ingram mold. Um, uh, I think he positionally already has started to look like a much better defender in the second half of his professional life and didn't really get bullied too much by bigger guys by the end. So I, I don't know. He, he's a tough shot maker. He's got a lot of like skill. He actually passes reasonably well. I don't know what the assist number actually looks like. So I don't have it handy, but um, he, he like creates looks for other guys in whatever way you want to quantify that. And he puts the ball on the floor reasonably well for a big dude. So I have him in sort of like the 10 to 20 range also. Um, but um, I could un- I totally understand why that's not in any way defensible 
um, on paper. Yeah, uh, so uh, you, I'm evaluating the numbers, of course, and his offensive e efficiency was really bad. Yeah. Um, just 51% on twos, 27% on threes, 67% from the free throw line. Um, he shot a lot of threes too. So mm -hmm. it's not a question of like volume or volume. anything like that. Didn't get to the line much. Um, and then for somebody who's supposed to be like, you know, he's big, he's supposed to be pretty athletic. Um, only six rebounds per 40. Um, he played, he played pretty far away from the basket for most of his time too. Like they yeah. played him like a true three in my opinion. Um, just 1.9 assists, uh, his steals were one, just 1 1.2 per 40, um, didn't really block shots. So it's like, they're just in, in terms of the numbers, there just isn't a lot to, to love there. Um, this could be, you know, one of the classic Yoda misses where what he has is like ability that's not showing up in the numbers yet. Um, on the other hand, a lot of times guys with this kind of profile end up being disappointing <laughs> he would be a, a huge boomer bust pick in in my opinion like if he were bad it wouldn't shock me but i think yeah. there's enough there that um especially if i had to pick it like 20 as a good team i would definitely be kind of more inclined to to take a shot uh so so alex signs uh, or a, at dr gatorade on twitter um just some, some good stuff uh posted this sort of breakdown so his first 10 games he was five of 36 from three 10 of 29 from two as per 36, 7.8 points, 0.2 steals, 1.3 fouls. Yeah. His last 13 games, he was 21 of 60 from three. So 35%, mm -hmm. 44 of 76 from two. So 58%, uh, 20 points per game, 1.6 steals. Now yeah. three and a half fouls, but um, yeah. he, that, that tracks, right? Like he just looked like, Oh, I now understand how to play basketball. And I listened to this interview with him and it was really interesting hearing him talk about how, like, you know, he moved to a new continent with no one else came with him and he just felt like totally lost in sort of every regard for the first yeah. half of the year. And I, I think, you know, that, that seems to make some sense, right? Like it's different yeah. than I go from New York to North Carolina, uh, you know, for my freshman year, like you're right. I went wherever he was playing the year before in Spain. Now all of a sudden you're in Australia. Like I, I could see that being, or I guess New Zealand, sorry, but that would be pretty big change, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, it's the kind of thing where maybe, may, like I said, maybe he's, he, he has the tools and, and this is one where the, the eye test will get it. And um, the numbers don't because I'm, I'm looking at the full season. That's something I do need to go back to. I've got it on my list of things to go back and, and he could move up because I'm going to, you know, reevaluate and look at that, that those splits. Just maybe run a performance EKG on his on his season and see like yeah, what the trend was. Because it could be, like you said, if he's suddenly or just starts to feel more at home and then plays better, and and that's also the kind of experience, like you know, going to a continent by yourself and uh, you know, learning to survive. And then learning how to play and all that kind of stuff. That, that's the kind of thing that can prepare you well for the, the rigors of the NBA. It's different than adjusting to like dorm life as opposed yeah. to like now I'm going to grind with like big men in a physical league. Uh, yeah. And so, then also, especially like going to a professional league where you've got grown men with families and that kind of stuff versus like other college kids running around and trying to figure out everybody in the college campus is pretty much in the same boat 
in the sense that they've all moved away from home, et cetera, um, versus the, 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 like I said, the grown men. I mean, there's a difference between an 18 year old, uh, you know, your college roommate and like the 30 year old power forward who uh, has a wife and a kid and he's playing for his mortgage, you know? And if Steven Adams has taught us anything that we can grossly stereotype or generalize about the entire Kiwi population is that they are all physically strong, imposing people. So I can understand why he would um, struggle physically early. Speaking so, of powerful people, let's let's move on. Or do you have anybody else? I have one more, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Another guilty pleasure of mine. I love Vince Williams from VCU. I was curious if he is somewhere in the draftable range for you, because I would take yeah. him anywhere in the second and feel good about it. Yeah, he's. I can see why you like him. He, but he he does rate. Uh, you know, I would I would say like outside the the, the second round. But he's okay. somebody that, like, if if you pick him up, like he can really shoot, yeah. right? And so and he's got some good good number. He, he rebounded a little bit, some playmaking, some steals, some blocks. I can see why you like him, and I can definitely see a theory of why he would be. But you know. The, the competition level wasn't great. Um, and he was, he is a senior, so yeah. he's a little older, but like I say, you can see like the shooting is there. Um, and you know, high turnovers, um, almost as many turnovers as assists, right. but that's likely because he was doing a lot of ball handling, exactly, which may not be his strength, but I can definitely see like three and D kind of potential there. I, I think that's what you'd want. Yeah. He's six, five with a seven foot wingspan and yeah. reasonable defender. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. I All mean, right. but if you're picking him like second half of the second round, or if you're signing him as an undrafted free agent, Steel. I think, yeah. yeah, he could, he could end up being a, a, a player. I can, like I say, I can see the, in the numbers that there's a, there's a player there. It's yeah. just, I don't think he quite rates in, in that draftable range in, in Yoda. Makes sense. Cool. So, all right, let's uh, switch over now. This part would probably go a little quicker. Um, <laughs> the centers. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's start from the top. Um, we talked about him a little bit in the last one uh, in our when we talked about forwards and uh, guards, but uh, Chet Holmgren is the, the top center prospect. I think I agree with you what we said there, which is that uh, he's most likely, that's going to be his position long-term in the NBA, I think. He's going to probably start as a power forward and, and moosh, switch over to, mm -hmm. to five as he gets stronger. So the case for case against case for he was like historically proficient shooting the ball, especially yeah. for a guy that big. And I just don't want to hear that it's against weak competition. Like you could easily make the case that the WCC was as good at the top this year as the ACC was. So I don't think people that watched that league know, well, he didn't play any bigs. Well, uh, just because you don't know the starting center for St. Mary's doesn't mean that they're not a good defensive six foot 10 center. So I it just, I think that's kind of a lazy take. Well, oh, he's so skinny and he's a little hunched over. Oh, well, okay. Name for me the prospects that have really failed in the NBA, especially in recent modern NBA, because they were, they stayed too thin. Um, yeah. You look at like John Henson is the skinniest person I've ever seen on a basketball court for North <laughs> Carolina. And he had a very good NBA career as a reserve at that, at that weight um, and never really got bigger, but he got stronger. Um, and Holmgren is like five inches bigger than him, plus a jump shot and some ball handling. So uh, I just don't see any way he busts as a player. Yeah. Also he dominated. 
right? Yeah. I mean, it, okay. So it, even if you say, okay, he's his, the competition level was lower or whatever, he, he absolutely dominated. And that's typically players who dominate their competition typically, uh, you know, go on and become pretty good pros. And so with his skill level, it, it, his shot making 74% on twos, 39% on threes, with a decent volume of threes, mm-hmm. 73% from the free throw line, not great, but you know, pretty good. We're, but we're talking about a 68% effective field goal percentage, right? Um, and a pretty decent usage level. And he rebounded like crazy and had some assists in you know, 2.9 assists per, per 40, which is pretty good for a center. And uh, had some steals, blocked five and a half shots per 40. Yeah. Um, and without fouling a ton. So, you know, in the numbers, he, he looks like a really good prospect. And uh, I suspect that once he gets in with like, as he one, as he like matures physically and two, as teams get hold of him, get nutrition, get uh, in, you know, weight training and that kind of stuff that he'll, he'll put on weight and get stronger. And I think he'll be, he'll be fine playing inside in part because, you know, maybe he'll get pushed around a little bit, but sure. He he's he can also go outside and I mean he'll he'll play somebody like Daniel Gafford off the floor I think. I mean you look at Evan Mobley who is is bigger but still thin and not particularly strong and with a high center of gravity higher than Chet's honestly so like he's not going to get leverage and positioning and I don't know that Mobley guy I think was pretty good this year from what I heard so um, not that they're the same player I understand that they play differently but it's still. I, I just I think that's less of a concern. Oh, he can't guard Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. Well, again, nobody can. So yeah. stop. But he, I think he rightfully, you know, a, a first or second pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I he's not going to fall further than three. Yeah, I have him top three as part of the tier I put him in. Yeah, yeah. So um, my next center is there's kind of a, a pretty big step down. Like yeah. this is somebody I would say like late lottery to. Um, you know, to mid first, right. Is Mark mm-hmm. Williams from Duke. Yeah. Um, massive, um, completely interior player. He's crazy, crazy, crazy efficient. You know, 72% uh, effective field goal percentage, 72% twos on, on twos rebounded, blocked a ton of shots. Like, you know, he's going to be rim running, rim protecting center mm-hmm. and, there's a there's a limited market for that, but and limited need for that. He's the kind of guy that I think, you know, when you get to the playoffs, he's likely to, you know, find a, more time on the bench than on the court. Sure. But I do think that he's somebody that you could also start, um, you know, and you you make the playoffs. He's not a guy the Wizards are going to take, um, and you know, I, I think he rates outside of that anyway. Um, you know, be. Even if they like, if they they're they're not going to take him, so it's it's pointless. But he he could be, I think, a solid center in a vein is similar to like Daniel Gafford or like uh, DeAndre Jordan, some, something like that. Is there a world where they'd take a Mark Williams at ten and think he's a better, bigger Gafford, and then try to trade Gafford on a team controlled draft pick and swap him for a point guard somewhere? Uh, possibly. I, I don't know what team is going to give up like a good starting quality point guard for Gafford though. Could you get a Melton or somebody for Gafford and something like that? That's not really a good starter, but a good backup. I, anyway, I'm just, yeah, maybe. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I have no idea what Tommy's really going to do at this point. He seemed to draft people of a similar build and archetype for the most part. So 
you know, maybe he pivots at some point. I don't know. I, I have Mark Williams next also. He's huge. He's going to do things that are valuable, especially in the regular season from a big. And uh, could he be bigger Robert Williams? He's not quite as mobile laterally, but um, he's, he's effing huge. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his standing reach was like nine, nine on his toes. He can grab the rim. I mean, that's yeah. nuts. So, all right. Uh, next guy I've got on my list is Christian Coloco. Is that yeah. how you say his name? Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Arizona, you know, again, pretty efficient. 64% on twos. Um, rebounds, box shots, you know, rim protecting center. Supposedly, I've read some things. This did not show up, by the way, in like the season is that he's in, in workouts has been showcasing that he, he can shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether they just didn't let him shoot, but he did get a lot of offensive rebounds. So did Mark Williams, by the way. Um, but he was good offensive rebounder and um, that's a positive, you know? So if he can shoot it, I could definitely see him going higher, but um, as it is, I would say he's like, you know, th- at this point we're into like the 18 to 30 range. Yeah. I, I've got him. 20s sort of reasonably here i think he's 35 consensus mock so probably not a guy that's in the range for either of the wizards draft picks but i've mentioned on our pod that his college coach tommy lloyd used to be gonzaga is really good friends with tommy shepherd somebody he's going to be familiar with uh that's a guy they traded back into the early second round or something like that to try to get if they thought they needed a third big or a project longer term or some porzingis insurance I wouldn't be mad at it. I, I think he's got sort of more offensive versatility upside than the other couple centers we're going to talk about. Agreed. Um, so, all right. My next guy is Jalen Duren from okay. Memphis. And, you know, 60% on twos, very, very much an interior player. I, I think I tried to first evaluate him as a forward. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the fact that we're talking one-tenth of a three-point attempt per 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is an inside player. He and he, he's a center. He, everything about him says center. Mm-hmm. So, um, including like the block shots. He's not like an elite shot blocker, but it's good. Yeah. Um, and a ton of turnovers. That's a little concerning. <laughs> but um, you know, he rebounds well, blocks some shots, got some steals. You know, he could he can make shots around the basket. So um, that's a center. And if you're picking him late twenties, you know, I think that's a good spot for him. So of like the former NBA guys that are college coaches right now, like if you watch Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse runs like an NBA offense, basically. Uh, and it's it's fun to watch. I don't know what Memphis does. They had no point guard for most of the year this year, um, which is still a little weird that they try to take Amani Bates and let him be a point guard early and all, all, all kinds of stuff that didn't really particularly pan out for them. And I, I think Duran sort of... Um, was a victim of that. I'm lower on him than most. Uh, he's consensus top 10 for sort of most mock drafts, consensus draft pick around 10. So I think everybody expects him to be a lottery pick. I don't get it. I've complained on our show about it's just weird to me that the guy didn't score one basket with his left hand all year when he's shooting from three feet away from the hoop most of the time. His proponents talk about how, oh, no, no, in high school, he did like Chris Webbery stuff. He could like, grab and go and pass and all kinds of other things that we didn't really see at Memphis. Um, I I don't know if any of that's true. So I'm going to evaluate him on just what I saw and I sort of didn't love it. I don't think he's 
as big as maybe everybody thinks he is just he, he looked to be about drew timmy's height and timmy's like six nine um so if if i don't think you can do a lot of things more than mark williams could i can't really justify taking you ahead of him just because you're you know nine months younger or something yeah yeah i, I agree i like i don't see a top 10 player in the numbers here so and now that we've both said that publicly again he'll turn into chris weber 2.0 somehow all right. Um, my next guy on the list is Walker Kessler. Yeah, that's where Auburn. I got him too. And yeah. So 70% on twos and only 50, 59.6% on free throws, rebounds. But the thing with him, of course, is the shot blocking. 7.1 blocks per 40. And uh, so he figures to be fouled a lot, uh, you know, four fouls per 40. But um, he figures to be a, you know, rim-protecting center. And if you're bringing him in as a backup for 12 minutes a game, I think that's uh, that's probably worth like a late first round pick for a good team that could use somebody like that. Yeah, he's like almost exclusively like a drop coverage big, which limits you a little bit. But if you're somebody like Atlanta where you can't switch anyway, because you got like a Trey Young, could you use Kessler off the bench? Like, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. uh, he's 27th on consensus mock. I, I have him sort of that 30s, 30 yeah. ish range, something mm-hmm. uh, in that ballpark. So, wouldn't surprise me. He, purportedly, he was a good shooter um, from the perimeter in high school as well. Um, didn't really see that at all in his first two college seasons, but maybe there's a little bit more there. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it certainly doesn't show in the numbers, the, the, the shooting, and especially, like I said, with the free throws, that's often an indicator. And in, in his case, he's a poor free throw shooter. So um, not a lot of reason to think that he's going to be a, a good sh- shooter in the NBA, but maybe that's something he can work on and develop. Uh, I, he, I think he needs something more than if he wants to be more than like a 12 minute per game, uh, you know, drop coverage center mm-hmm. against bench units, then he'll need to do some work on his game. Yeah. But you know, he, that shot blocking is, uh, is quite something. Um, all right. Next guy I've got on my list is Michael Foster jr. From night. Yep. Yep. Um, terribly inefficient. So yeah. that's a little bit of a concern, just 51% on twos. Um, so, but, you know, he, he's got enough there. He blocked some shots in the G League, got some rebounds. Um, not a, a terrible assist guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, more, more turnovers than assists. So that's not good. But overall, you know, he had a, an okay season in the G League. And, you know, if you're picking him in the second round, okay. You know, there's there's enough potential there, enough in the numbers that I see that suggest that he has the potential to become, you know, backup center in the NBA. I'm starting to lose track across all the different guys and where they were high school rankings wise. But I want to say Michael Foster Jr. was like a fringe-ish top 10 uh, high school prospect. And I've again heard an interview with him where he talked about uh, like being the forgotten player on the Ignite and things like that. And uh, one of the things I've talked about with Dyson Daniels is the only time I got to see the G League Ignite in person was against the Capital City Go-Go. Dyson had a very kind of pedestrian game. Now I looked up at the end and he had had, you know, like a quintuple nickel or something, you know, where he had at least five and multiple statistical categories, which was good, but uh, he didn't pop. The two guys in that game were Jaden Hardy, who we didn't talk about here. I- I'm not a big Hardy guy because he's inefficient, but Foster Jr. was like unguardable against the go-go. And now granted it was um, Jaime Ashenike and uh, Greg Monroe trying to guard him. And I don't think either of them are elite defensive prospects, but 
he was just like, he was busting their ass. Like he was really active and mobile and creative with the ball and stuff. So uh, if he was a guy they took with their second round pick, I, you know, or could somehow get on a two way, I'm, I'm all for it. The next guy I've got, and this is actually the last uh, big that I have with a draftable grade is uh, Josh Minot from Memphis. Mm. Little undersizes center, but um, you know, he's got a little something there. Um, okay. Rebounding, you know, block some shots. Uh, not really, but, but a lot of steals, uh, I guess is a big thing. A lot of fouls too. So, I mean, he's kind of guy where I'm late, late second round would be perfect for him. I, I think it's more realistic that he probably plays the three in the NBA than the five long-term. Um, just, see, just I, I didn't see that in the numbers. I understand. I'm, I'm just telling you build and, and, and size and things like that. Like the, the closest center profile I could come up with for him is like, a longer version, but less athletic probably overall than Brandon Clark, who I know we both liked, but like a really small ball five, but he doesn't do anything else um, on the perimeter that justifies the three, which is why the numbers look like he's probably a five, but, but that's, he's really raw. Like he just, he's just not big. Um, Yeah. I mean, he shot two for 14 from three um, and, uh, you know, you can sort of see he got a lot of offensive rebounds, so he, he looks kind of athletic there. The yeah, he's a good athlete. He dunks well. But the shooting, I would say, you know, he's 75% from the from the free throw line, but the shooting would be a concern, and he didn't seem shy about taking shots. Yeah. Uh, so um, I don't know. I, if he's – it's it's difficult to envision a guy like this playing on the wing you know, if you're only getting up 14 three point attempts in the college season, that's, that's why he does not appear anywhere on my board, Kevin, but he is somehow top 10 on John Hollander's board. So, yeah, that's, I do not get that. Um, you know, when I ran the numbers on him, like at first I was like, okay, I can kind of see, but the more I looked, it's like the less I liked him yeah. as a player. So, yeah. yeah. He, he has some like strong believers. Um, I didn't see enough there. Um, granted, I was watching their team a little less for him, but uh, that's mostly because he didn't really pop off the page. You would kind of not notice he was there other than like, oh, here's a put back dunk every once in a while or something. Uh, so I, I, that's one as a prospect. I've seen some people like Hollinger's top 10, other people first round grades. I, I kind of can't get there. Yeah, no, I can't get there either. Um, I, I mean, if you're picking late second, Sure, why not? But mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't pick him in the top ten or fifteen or thirty. So, um, all right. Any any centers that you have that um, I haven't I haven't mentioned so far? Uh, these are like two way guys, like Trayvon Williams out of Purdue. I could maybe make a case for. There's some like creation and passing that that might be worthwhile. He just he's like a hard worker. If he was like your Chuck Hayes kind of guy, you know, from the Rockets a couple years ago or ten years ago, or whatever that is now, like. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah, he's he seems like a little like undersized. He and is. also yeah. like tested slow and yeah. doesn't jump all that well. So the athleticism hurts. But like you say, the numbers are there in terms of like a ton of rebounds, 14.8 per 40, 6.0 assists. That's really outstanding. Yeah. Um, 4.2 turnovers, not so great. But like you say, I could definitely see taking a look, especially on a two-way. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's where I'm kind of at with all these guys where there's like maybe one thing that's intriguing enough to, to get them. Orlando Robinson Jr., Fresno State, really good post-move yeah. guy. He is about, I would say, physical profile-wise. He reminds me the most of like Jan Mahinmi from like a flexibility and mobility standpoint. Oh, so that would yeah. scare me away. Um, uh, also, just 51.7% on twos. He did yeah. shoot 35% on threes, though. He's got touch. Yeah. Decent volume, three but, and a half attempts. And he got fouled a lot, too. There's uh, Kofi Coburn, the biggest person I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't draft him, but again, on a two-way, I think he'd make a case for it. And there's just like a couple international guys who are projected to go somewhere in the second round that I've watched almost none of. Got Ishmael Kamagate, uh, Yana Kinsosa, and uh, this person probably won't get drafted, but he's also huge. Um, Ike Abubaji. He was a guy that last year's draft got a little buzz late because he's like seven feet tall and a freak athlete. You remember like this has been a bunch of years at this point, so um, maybe people won't remember this, but the uh, Sonics talked to themselves into taking Mohamed Senior Sene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, however, I'm sure I just butchered his name, Sire Sene, um, mm-hmm. in, in the first round because he was like a freak athlete and they had clips of him like volleyball spiking the ball into like the 10th row. Yeah. Abubaji will like do that every once in a while, but I, he like put up no production um, for the most part. It was just every once in a while where you'd be like, "Whoa, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, among those names that you just mentioned, like Kamagate, um, you know, th- there's, if you, if you're bringing him over on a two way, something like that late, late, late second, I could sort of see that, but you know, he's, to me, he's like in that same overall level as like Travion Williams, where he's, you know, if you're picking late second, okay. Or if you're getting him undrafted free agent, um, Kamagate probably doesn't want to come over here as an undrafted free agent though. You wouldn't think. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Yannick, I don't know. How do you say his name again? Yannick Noza? Yeah. I, Noza? I think it's a silent N, but I'm, I, I've also, a couple of people I trust to be internationally savvy say it differently pretty much every time they say it. So I don't, I'm not sure anybody's got it particularly well, down. I don't think anybody needs to worry too much. I I, I don't understand why he's considered a draft prospect. Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's doing some things, but he, he played just 400 minutes this season for mm-hmm. his team overseas. He was awful. Um, he's the lowest rated prospect that I've, that I've evaluated this year. Um, terrible offensive efficiency. We're talking 36.7% from the field, the all twos. And um, he doesn't rebound, gets like no assists, doesn't uh, really have a high number of blocks for a center. I just, I don't, any fouls a lot. Um, so I don't get why anybody would think he's going to be a, a, a pro, but, uh, you know, an NBA player, um, because in ACB, he, he wasn't even good there. I want to say that Chad Ford had him as a lottery pick to start the year, at the very least a first-round pick coming into the year. So that clearly I mean, didn't it could break be his he way. Hurt, that he was hurt or something, and so he and missed he's a lot just of time. never developed. Like we saw some raw flashes last year, and people got excited, and there was just enough from last season that people haven't taken him completely off boards yet. That's my yeah. assumption. I mean, he's yeah, he played about ten minutes a game for right. his first team, and I, I understand that uh, you know. In the international leagues, they divide up minutes differently, but still, this is um, this is a bit player in in his league, and he he wasn't wasn't very good. We're talking, you know, seventy seven points on the season and and fifty eight fouls. 
Do you have Kenneth Lofton Jr. on there by chance, Kim? I do not. Okay, you probably don't need to, but he's an interesting player for anybody if they want to go back and watch. He did the FIBA under 19, and other than Chet Holmgren, was like maybe the second best American player there, but he's a six foot seven low post scorer. He shot the shit out of the ball from three during the combine scrimmages, but yeah, he's like six seven, had the highest body fat at the combine, I want to say. He just, I'm not trying to body shame anybody or anything like that, but um, he did not look like the build you would expect of a traditional NBA draft pick. Um, So uh, just interesting though, but he was highly productive at a small school. Neither did Charles Barkley. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll I'll, I'll run him through the numbers and, you know, well, I'll I'll see where it comes out. Sounds good. All right. Um, I think we've, we've beaten it up pretty good. And um, so just to recap, um, Matt and I have, we've now gone through the four position groups that we, that we have. So it's guards and forwards are on Matt's podcast, the Believe in Wizards podcast. So uh, for that, please pop over there, listen, subscribe. And um, we've just talked about um, wings and centers on the So Wizards podcast. And we will be back um, soon with probably another mock draft and some other draft content before the uh, the draft. And we'll have um, these links up all in one place on boltsforever.com. Thank you.